We're glad to be with you today. We invite you to turn with us to the first Samuel. Your bulletin says verse number 6, but uh, it's 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse number 6. We're going to use that as our opening text. But we're uh, going to be all over this chapter 1 and uh, just parts of chapter 2, so I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. We want to talk about something that you and I as individuals, I'm sure at one time or another, it's called provoked. Provoked. Provoked has its greatest impact when it is delivered by family or a close person to you. It seems to really rivet you when it's so close to the heart. So I wonder as we look within the Word of God in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 6, And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So how was your week anyway? Were you provoked at all any which way? There are some observations and I want you to follow with me in this because one of the things that will get in your spiritual development is when you allow yourself to be completely obsessed with being provoked, that after a while you do not have that connection with God because it is keeping you from it. One of the things that I want us to see in verse number 7, and I'm going to make a comment on that, And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, Therefore, she wept and did not eat. So a lot of things in there we're going to unwrap as we get into that, but I want you to see this. Don't expect me to give you an answer for it. Do you realize that there are things in your life and mine that you can't get a clear-cut answer on? But you better hold on to Jesus with everything you got. One of the things that I discover when I look into that text is this. God didn't come to her rescue. If anything, he closed her womb, but God was still in it. Wrap yourself around the second thing in all of that. How come her husband didn't intervene for her? He didn't. Have you ever been in a situation when you feel like you're hanging out on the clothesline? All the people's driving by looking at your clean or dirty laundry, blowing in the wind, and not a soul there to take you back and help you. Husband didn't do it. God didn't do it. I want you to understand something. Don't you think I'm bad-mouthing God? I'm not. Because you can go back into the book of Genesis, and I felt the Lord really wanted me to impress you with this. Not me, but him. Remember when Rachel and Leah were the wives of Jacob? We realized that uh, God opened the womb of Leah because Rachel was Jacob's favorite. He loved her more than anything else. So it isn't that God makes a habit of shutting things down just for no purpose at all. Actually, he opened the womb of Leah so that she could feel blessed and nurtured by the hand of God upon her. And she acknowledges that in Genesis. But in this particular situation, we realize that Hannah was out there, it's seemingly 
all by herself. And there are times in your life and mine where you're going to find yourself, you're stuck away, you seemingly have everything around you, you have no connection, and in that you wonder, God, what's going down? One of the things that I want us to realize as we look within this text, and I don't want to talk fast because I want us to pick up on so much of this. God entrusted her enough to allow her to be barren and provoked. But in verse number 5, if you'll look with me there, but to Hannah, this is speaking of her husband, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Here is a lady that, and I'm going to make a strong point, not so much me, but I want you to hear this. She was living in a double portion. She was getting more than the other wife, double. Whatever she got, Hannah got more. Now, the thing that I have to come to terms with and to grips with is this. Am I willing to just live in a double portion but remain fruitless? Now, I'm going to be straight with you. We have too many within the church today that as long as they get their double portion... Who cares whether I'm bearing fruit or not? That's something to write home about. And we wonder why is the church dying on the vine? Why? Because in all of it, we do not allow ourselves to seek a state of fruitfulness within our lives. Just as long as I get my double portion, bless God, I'm as happy as a pig in mud. But God is calling you and I like he did Hannah in all of it working to the end to bring us into a place as believers to once again arise to that place that he's intended for us and that is to be a people that is fruitful. When was the last time you bore fruit? I got my back to you so I'm not looking at you. Only you can answer that. Only you know that. Let me just lay the challenge before Rodney Mason and the rest of the crowd that's here. Lord, do not let me get to a place within my experience with you that I become content with just getting that double portion. All that's going to do, I'm going to be straight up with you. It's going to make you fat and sassy. Because there's nothing of any profit that's coming out of that double portion. And God is calling and challenging every one of us to come to that place of saying, Lord, I want to be fruitful for you. She wasn't satisfied. It's my prayer today that in our lives as believers that we will not be content just with the double portion, but we'll only be content when we're bearing fruit for Jesus. Verse number 7, as we move along this text, and so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. One of the things I wrote down in my notes, and here it is, it's weeping in the wrong places. Or another way of addressing this, whose shoulder are you going to cry on? Whose shoulder are you going to cry on? Year after year, this is not something that just happened on a whim. It was on a regular basis. She wept and would not eat. She wept and would not eat. 
And the Lord so prompted me, as I almost forgot it, but this crying thing is real and it's necessary. But make sure you're crying on the right shoulder. What do you mean by that? I mean this. The arm of flesh, the Word of God says, is going to fail you. But if you cry on God's shoulder, I promise you this one thing. One way or the other, He'll bring you through it for His honor and for His glory. Whose shoulder are you crying on today? I'm not going to get a raising of hands. I do believe I'm preaching to the choir to the point of how many of us know what it's like to be provoked. In our society today, there's a lot of that going on. And we need to guard ourselves. We need to condition ourselves to be able to handle it. I don't know if news reaches all the way up to here in New Holland what takes place down in Exton on Route 100-202. A young 18-year-old girl driving down to where 100 converges into 202. Somebody better had to give, but what happened was the guy that was in the pickup truck decided that he was provoked pulls out a revolver, fires one cap at her, and it goes into her head and kills her instantly. Provoked. 18 years old, life just because he felt he owned a road. You can go into Charlottesville, Virginia, and that place is still probably just now kind of winding down. The riot that took place, somebody got provoked, took an automobile and ran it into the crowd of people and hit one woman and killed her. Somebody's provoked. They say if you're driving down the road, road rage is such a thing, don't look at the person beside you that's angry because all that's going to do is intensify it. Don't stick out your tongue at him. That's called provoked. If you're not careful, it can begin to take hold of you and as a person begin to dominate, take you in places that you don't want to go. Have you ever been so provoked? And I'm going to get into this point, provoked to the point of... um, You got so messed up and angry and mouthy that when it's all said and done, you felt bad. I've done that. I've gotten provoked and run my mouth like a freight train. And then all of a sudden, look at yourself in the mirror and say, you dumb idiot. What did that get you? You feel better now? You feel good? Kind of goes back what the guy said on Wednesday night two weeks ago. He said, Christian, or are you a real Christian? I'm preaching to myself. I know what I got to face this week. You think this message is just going to go, the devil's happy about this thing? No, he's not. Ah, there'll be things that'll just provoke me to, to no end. So if you don't have anybody else to pray for, you're all prayed up, you pray for me. When provoking comes, though, which way will I go? I've read to you, and you can bring those up if you will again, verses 6 and 7. We won't read those again. But when provoking comes in our lives, which way will I go? Provoking is unfair, it's not pleasant, it's irritating, and it gets on your last nerve. What do you do? Do you grow angry? Seek ways of saying, okay, this is how I'm going to get even. I'm going to throw it back at them. You know what that does? All that does is intensify. If just have those two people down there on Route 100, if one of them would have just said, I'm going to back down, slow down, this event would not have happened. But do we find ourselves in that situation? Or do we do what Hannah did? But I will have to say this, that it was year after year after year until finally it's like 
Can I just say this to you? It's when you finally say, I've had enough. I've had it up to here. I can't take no more of this. What then will you do? See, the fact of the matter is, in verse number 9, if I can read that to you, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli was the priest that was sitting on the seat of the doorpost of the tabernacle or the tent of the Lord. And she went in verse number 10 and said, and she began in bitterness of soul, began to pray to the Lord and wept in anguish. The fact of the matter is that you go into the presence of God. He has all you need. And I will promise you this, he will glorify his name in your life if you will let him. But see, it's a choice that I have to come to when I finally, it's like a sponge that becomes so saturated that it will not absorb any more liquid. You finally say, God, ring me out and take care of me because I can't myself. I become so provoked to the point that I can't handle no more of it. So then I finally say, year after year, I've been putting up with this and I've been dealing with this. I hope some of you know where I'm at with this because it's a real, it's a real dilemma. And there's got to be a determination within my heart and within yours that seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. All I'm going to do and everything that I'm going to attempt to do is going to be that, God, I'm seeking after you because I've done, I have tried, I have been there, and there's nothing else that I can do. Have you got, when, I guess the point I'm making is this, when I come to that place of desperation and God sees that I'm, as the old boy used to say, I mean business with you, God. I'm here and I'm determined that something's got to give. I'm not going to allow myself year after year to be provoked. Let me just say this to you, church. I don't know when maybe the circumstance and the situation may change. But when you turn that thing over to God, it's in good hands to see it done for his honor and for his glory. Verse number 11, if you'd like to look there with me, and then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall come upon his head. Let me just... Put a sidebar to this, just a little added feature that we need to understand. How could a mother do that? Why would she do that? When you reach a place of being destitute and you are at a place where you're so needy, she steps up and says, God, if you give me that boy, he's coming right back to you. How could you do that? Because she didn't have a child to begin with. She says, at least I can come and visit him, but at least I am now fruitful. See, God is desiring a believer to push past the provoking. To come into his very presence. May I say that again? This is what God desires. 
He is looking for that man, that woman that is willing to step up and say, God, I'm willing to pass and push and shove this stuff aside because I know just like the woman with the issue of blood, I know that the touch and the power of God working in my life will transform and do the mighty work that I need to have done. Hallelujah. And God is looking for such men and women. You may say, but God could have done this. God God just stood back and let this woman year after year, her husband year. I know. But friend, God also knows that when you finally come to the end of yourself and you say within yourself, there is no other way for me but your way, God. God says, that's what I've been waiting to hear all along. Somebody that's willing to say, God, you and you alone can change this thing and I give it to you now for your honor, for your glory. I thank God for the honesty of his word. It does not in any way gloss over and allow the man of God the person that represents God, to get a free ride. You say, what are you driving at? Here's what I'm driving at. The leadership wasn't accustomed to seeing positive provoking. And if you look at verse number 14, Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have not drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink. I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Eli's answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. I want to just say this simply because someone calls themselves an evangelist, simply because someone calls themselves an ordained minister of the assemblies of God. Just like the umpire behind the plate, he doesn't always call it right. What are you blind? That ball was a strike. Hello. How many people that you've looked up to, people that you've revered, in your walk and journey with God will let you down and say, what's wrong with you? And find that in you, and they're so off base, it's not funny. The fact of the matter is, this is where it's so important. This woman, she came through the school hard knocks. And this woman comes to a point, and this was a crucial moment within her life. Because here's somebody that's putting her down, calling her drunk. Her heart was laid bare before the mighty hand of God. And he couldn't see it. He couldn't sense it. There will be those that, and I'll just say this to you as a believer, you've got to finish this thing out. See, this was the last hurdle this woman had to jump. If she's going to let the priest get in her way of what she wanted in her life more than anything else, that child... She's lost it all. See, the fact of the matter is, the devil was no gentleman. 
He will try one more thing. He will try one more thing. He will try one more thing. But the fact of the matter is you have to be determined. I don't care what you throw my way. I don't care what you say to me. I know from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who has made heaven and earth. This is what I'm holding to. This is what sustains me. This is what's going to carry me. It isn't your opinion. It's what I believe. It's where my faith holds to, and I will not release it. And so you can say all you want and offer your opinion from one end of the country to the other. That opinion can get, you know, people, if you listen to all that, man, get you in trouble. And she said, I'm not listening to it. I'll tell you what's going on. Me and God just had a conference in his, in his throne, and I'm asking him. Marion gets me this little upper room book. I read it. It's got coffee stains. I read it at work. I want to read this to you. This lady said, we were miles to the nearest town, low on fuel. The warning light on the car was on. Two mountains that we had to cross, and I said, oh, our cell phones don't work here. Uh, we're two young women who don't know, don't want to walk these roads in the dark. Please help us arise safely. After I prayed, I continued to worry until I reached our destination safely. That's the truth for a lot of us, but notice this. They said, later when I read Hannah's prayer, I thought about our trip and my prayer. Her prayer showed me that I had missed out on one of the benefits of praying. Hannah made her request to God, then went her way, ate some food, and wasn't sad any longer. Hannah released her anxiety to God and found peace even before God answered her. In contrast, I didn't fully release my worry until I hit the next town. Rather than thanking God for hearing my prayer and trusting that the answer would come, I continued to worry until I seen the outcome. Hannah's story taught me one of the greatest gifts of prayer is knowing that God will answer even if we don't know when or how. When we pray, we can immediately thank God for the answer that will come. Doing so, we can allow us then to move our concerns away and begin to accept the peace of God within our lives. How's that working for you? Remember that old song of the church that says, Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. We don't leave them there. We go down there and tell God all of our gripes, complaints, and all the people that's provoking us and all the things, and then we pick them back up and carry that baggage on back home with us. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 of this same book. But I want you to pay attention to this. It says there, And Hannah prayed and said, This is the same woman that wept and cried and wouldn't eat. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Now, what I wrote down for me to say to you, this moment within her life of having a face-to-face encounter with God, 
released a woman that could have remained hidden, but she was delivered and set free. What's provoking you? And what is that provoking keeping you from becoming? She was liberated. That woman could pray. Just give her room. She's ready. Read that text there all the way down to about 14. She was wound up. And that was all in here. But it was imprisoned. It was in bondage. But when God came through, And God brought the answer and God gave her that child. All of a sudden, this woman that nobody even suspected, the person that was called the church drunk, was able to stand to the occasion and offer a mighty, mighty word of what God is all about. That would have remained dormant in that woman's life. She would have never known. She would have carried it to her grave. And there are those of us that have pinned up within us things that God wants to liberate and release out of you. And I don't care your age. God wants to bring you to a place that you have never been before, kind of like Star Trek to boldly go places where you've never been before. And some of us would rather sit back, fold our hands, and say, I would rather be provoked. I'd rather be angry. I'd rather be annoyed. Than to see God all of a sudden like a flower that comes into bloom. See God flow out of my life. Whew in dimensions like I've never known before. And it was there all the time. It was there all the time. And I just say this to you. Don't let the trifling trash of life rob you of the person that God intends you to be. Because it can happen there without exception. You are a candidate for God's full work in your life for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. There are things in your life, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? What kind of answer are they going to give me? Let go of that. Let go of that. Give it your best. Let God take care of the rest. And he will work these things out for not just your good, but for his glory. Father God, I thank you for the day. Thank you for your many blessings. I thank you, God, that you're here to work in each and every one of our lives to make us more. And God, I want to be more like Jesus. So God, help us to deal if there is those among us that are struggling in this area. God, they've had faces fly up in their mind as I've been preaching. They have heard words that people have been saying while I've been preaching. God, would you help them to take those things and lay it like Hannah did at the altar and step away from it and take her, she took herself home. God, will take ourselves home and say, God, I gave it to you, now you deal with it. And God, it's so much what you want anyway from us 
to where we can just step back, take our hands off, so that you can do your perfect work. And God, I'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.